What time is it? It's 4.30, and time for another 99th episode. Yeah, it's so funny. I came home from working in my store yesterday to have a meeting, and I was going to sit out on my porch for the meeting, but it was overcast and it's like a little too chilly. This morning, it still is a little chilly, but just the sun being out makes it feel very different. Cool. Well, Paul, you know what this episode is. This is episode 300, right? (laughs) Almost. (laughs) Not quite. This is episode 34. That's that's a big number, too. Well, but what it means is we're starting the uh, second of three blocks on the way to 99. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know when people like math when they got to find ways to divide things. Yeah, well, I, I like math and I like to divide things. <laughs> so, I, yeah. I am too. I, 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 am a, I'm a, I can't talk. I'm apparently better at math than words today. Yes. So welcome to the second third of 99th episode, at least on our March to 99th the 99th 99th episode there's something pleasing about that thought 99th 99th double 99s cool all right <laughs> you do I'm... not seem excited about this one bit <laughs> yeah it's too early for math this sucks i don't know what to say uh maybe if i ignore him long enough he'll just stop talking about this <laughs> My brain usually goes on autopilot with math and just does it. And, uh, yeah, I know I'm tired when my brain tries to do it. It's like, alert, alert, this isn't happening. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was trying to trying to bust out 99 times 99 so we would know, you know, the full quantity of the 99th, 99th episode. And my brain just said, nope, you drink more of that coffee there. Well, 99 times 99 is going to be 98. 801? I'll take your word for it this morning. I think so. Well, because 99 times 100 is 9900. So if you subtract 99 from that, it's going to be 9801. Well, you are correct. Uh, And also, that's why my brain isn't working, because normally it'll do that without me thinking about it. Yeah. Okay, well... This is why I was always bad at math in school. I was not that I was bad at math, but uh, I drive my teachers nuts because I couldn't show my work because my brain would just do parts of it, and I if I tried to write it out, it just screwed up my thought process, and then I would get things wrong. Hmm. Interesting. Autopilot. I was the annoying kid in class that slept through class and then still got the highest grade on the math test. Yeah, I always knew exactly how much homework I had to do to get an A, and I just did that much. <laughs> all right yeah because i knew i'd get a's on the tests and uh i just made sure i got enough points to maintain the a and i didn't do what i didn't want to do so i would do the stuff if i felt like uh like i needed to sharpen my skills i would do the stuff that was actually like fun because it was you know just yeah you know, so some types of math problems are kind of fun to do and some are just tedious so I'd always do the fun things. i do the things I thought I needed a little bit of sharpening up on, and then other stuff, if I didn't feel like doing it, I just wouldn't do it. Very strategic. Yeah. Speaking of math, I subjected myself to Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> so I think let, let's let's jump into the meat of this episode, huh? Might as well jump right into it. All that. right. And by saying I subjected myself to it, I think that that's going to be a, a giveaway about what I think of 
the Justice League movie and the Snyderverse in general, I'm I'm not exactly a fan. In fact, I would say I'm I'm very very much not a fan. I just don't really like the movies. But I have thought it's very interesting to to think about why people like these movies and why people don't like these movies. And I think that there's something to learn about how we enjoy stuff from that. So that's why I kind of want to dig into this a bit. Yeah, I've always thought that was kind of interesting how there are some people who are really into um, the DC movies. And... You know, like, the the first thought would be, well, are they a big DC fan or, you know, like, a bigger DC fan than Marvel fan or vice versa? Like, I'm a bigger Marvel fan, so, like, that might be a leaning. But I also, like, I probably grew up watching more Batman than other stuff. And when I first started reading comics, I was reading Batman before other stuff. I didn't become a DC fan until around the 2000s. That's when I started reading DC comics and it was around the time of infinite crisis and all the stuff after that 52, the whole Jeff Johns green lantern run, which was pretty fantastic all the way up through blackest night. And, uh, I, I kind of tapered off after probably after final crisis and that's about when I was started to be a little less interested in it. But for a while, like I really, really enjoyed the DC comics and I probably liked them more than the Marvel comics. And I was buying more DC comics than Marvel comics. And I was really, really enjoying it. But in general, I'm not super attached to the characters in any way. I don't have any particular love for Batman. I enjoy a good Batman story, but that's about it. I enjoy it about as much as I enjoy a good Flash story or Green Lantern story or Superman story or Wonder Woman story. So the characters don't have any certain special prominence to me. So I don't have any attachment to this movie from that angle. My my basic takeaway on this movie, and this is where I'm really uh, coming at this from, is that it does a lot of really awesome stuff but doesn't really tell a good story and I think that that's kind of my what I'm coming at this from is that like everything in the movie is awesome if the Flash is walking down the street and buying a hot dog they he films it in such a way to make it as awesome as possible if Aquaman is walking away from a village and hopping in the water to swim away, it's done in slow motion with dramatic music in the background and shot to be as awesome as possible, regardless of the context for the scene and whether it makes sense given the emotional pathos of what's going on in the scene. So it's kind of this, everything is heightened and augmented and made more awesome in every single moment of the movie. I think the where it's really thin is on storytelling and that there's a lot of stuff that happens that resembles storytelling, characters emoting at certain times as if they are having a character arc, but it's kind of like it 
is uh, what a character arc looks like from the outside without any of like the meat on the inside is what it feels like to me. Yeah. And so it's kind of like a, like a Michael Bay movie. Yeah, I, I guess so. One of my friends put it really well in that it's like a Rob Liefeld comic. So there's no feet? <laughs> no, that's not what I mean. You know what I mean, right? It's Rob Liefeld is really good at drawing things to look awesome, but there's not a lot of care taken to, is this what best tells the story? Or is, is like, how is the story that's being told here? It's It feels like it's much more about that visceral awesomeness to it than anything else. And it, it seems like, I mean, even when it's something like innocent people dying, it's still made to be as like dramatic and awesome as possible. In a, in, it kind of like makes it feel like it's reveling in the violence and the tragedy in a weird way. So I'm inclined to like more of storytelling. I would rather a movie that is no awesome with a lot of story. Right. I mean, we've talked about I I would say something along those lines. We've talked about the movie The Royal Tannenbaums that I think you really liked. There's nothing awesome in that movie (laughs) in terms of like the shots, the things that happen. It's like an awesome free movie, but it's very dense in story. That would be the opposite of Justice League, which is light on story, but incredibly heavy on awesome moments and awesome things happening i know i'm saying awesome a whole lot but i think it really is the best word to capture what i'm trying to to say here it kind of illustrates the point that that's all they're going for uh it, that kind of makes sense that that um resonates with why i haven't been very into the dc movies the last one that i remember really enjoying was the first wonder woman i haven't seen the second one i saw justice league uh, you know the the first cut and couldn't tell you anything about it. Uh, I watched Aquaman and was mildly entertained at points, but for the most part, like I just didn't engage with the movie. So I kind of watched it while like probably like you know screwing around on my phone because I was just kind of bored and not engaged and watching it because and it was DC movies that kind of made me draw the line between like I don't have to watch a movie just because it's a comic book movie. There's enough of them coming out now that it's. Like, for a while, it was like, you know, it's worth watching it just because there aren't so many. And, um, you know, it, it without being in a rush even and feeling like I needed to go to the theater, like, I get them on Redbox and, yeah, you know, watch this movie here and there. But it was when I rented Joker and Birds of Prey that I watched half a Joker and didn't even watch Birds of Prey and just didn't want to. And... You know, I had, like, a rent one, get one free code, because you get those all the time with Redbox. So I only spent, like, two bucks on both of them. So it's not like it was any kind of a big loss. But the preview on Joker about Birds of Prey made me not really want to watch Birds of Prey. And then watching Joker made me not want to watch Joker. I watched, like, half of it and made myself go that far. But it just wasn't, wasn't like, doing. it wasn't doing anything for me. I know Joker's obviously pretty drastically different than the other movies. Um, but that also is kind of a... a factor that made me not want to watch it is I, I wasn't even getting the awesome like it really just felt like bathing in misery is what it felt like it just like there was nothing beneficial I didn't feel like it was you know using that like all this just negative feeling to make a good point or do anything with it really 
it just kind of felt like celebrating negativity hmm. kind of yeah um, interesting i haven't seen joker yeah. so I, i'm not really sure i've seen all of Zack snyder's movies in particular and i think he while well, he's kind of set the tone for a lot of the dc movies it's his movies in particular that i think really really do this it's the everything dramatic everything in slow motion everything looking awesome characters and hero poses all the time and yeah um, and if you're big fans of those characters like that's awesome right like you 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 want to go watch a movie and watch your characters be awesome right i mean even taking a step back from that even if you're not a, a fan of the characters but even if if you're the type of person that goes and what likes from a movie to see awesome things happening awesome people doing awesome things which i think is totally valid way to appreciate a movie then it's a a fantastic movie along those lines and i think that what what i really have started to notice because there's obviously a very vocal fan group that says that Snyder's movies are the best thing around and they want now to restore the entire Snyder verse. <laughs> like they got the Snyder cut. They won <laughs> that battle. And now they want, they're trying to put pressure on Warner brothers to let Snyder continue his entire movie series, which, um, I mean, which is cool. Good for them. Right. If it happens, that's awesome. <laughs> Again, awesome. <laughs> but, um, what movies are Snyder's? Like I, obviously Justice League. What what other ones are specifically his? Man of Steel, Batman yeah. versus Superman, and Justice League. Yep. Yeah, see, Man of Steel, I vaguely remember watching. Uh, I saw it in the theater with my brother in law, and I was like, "That was fine." You know, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman versus Superman didn't like. That's all. Just didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Batman versus Superman was one of the worst movies I'd ever seen in the theater based on story perspective. It was a similar thing. I felt like the story was fairly thin and somewhat nonsensical and tried to resemble a story while being this full of awesome moments. So I I guess what I'm, I'm getting at is people say... I hear like people say the Snyder movies are good and everyone then and then people say the Snyder movies are awful. But what frustrates me is that people are using different criteria to evaluate these, obviously, because I think from one lens, it's it's very good. And from another lens, it's not very good from a lens of character development, story development, um, being good at showing character motivations and understanding them and what they want, what they're trying to accomplish and creating a meaningful story out of that. It's not that great. You know, it's it's just, it's not. But in terms of showing really powerful, heroic characters in really cool, awesome ways, it's fantastic. It's amazing at that. So I, I kind of, I can see both those things at the same time and it, I get frustrated when people can't point out, well, here's what I'm coming at this from, and here's why I think it's awesome. And I think it's possible to understand, like, it's it's good because it does the things that I like in movies. And it's 
and other people to say, I didn't like it because it doesn't do the things that I like in movies. And both those things are true at the same time. And so I, I like these kind of understanding these kind of core assumptions. And now let me, let me back up. I've got something to say about core assumptions. <laughs> All right. I don't know. Do you ever think about core assumptions very much? Uh, yes. Okay. All right. So when, when I say core assumptions, what, what does that mean to you? I just want to make sure we're either on the same page or understand each other's different page. Um, well, I think what you're saying by that is, uh, when you're discussing something like you have something that you're holding as true already. Okay. All right. Yeah. I think about core assumptions a lot because I think that a lot of conversations happen between people that have different core assumptions and people then have arguments or discussions about the results of those core discussions, but without actually boiling down to, Oh, you think this is true. I think this is true, or I value this while you value that. And that explains the difference. So let's talk about those core assumptions and, and see how those compare to each other. That's, uh, well, I mean, that's like the foundation of our political discourse in this country, I think. And so much other stuff is these differing core assumptions or core values that people have. And so oftentimes, I think it's much more interesting to talk about those core assumptions. Yeah, they're, they're biases. And everybody has biases, even if they try not to. Um, we, there are biases that we're conscious of. There are biases that we're not conscious of. Uh, but to, to learn or try to have discourse with somebody, you have to understand where your biases are and then try to understand their point of view with stuff. And that's what breaks it. And this is where social media just makes everything worse. Is Twitter, you have how many characters? Like 140? Oh, I think 280? it's 280 now. Yeah, because they doubled it. Yeah. Um, in 280 characters, you can't start out by stating what your your core basis for your opinions are you just state your opinions plus you know we've trained everybody i mean tldr right like too long didn't read nobody wants to read anything they just want to get to the meat and then argue with that just like people will share an article and then somebody will argue with the headline then they clearly didn't read the article mm -hmm. you know nobody wants to actually know what they're talking about they just want to argue and that's something that's definitely um been encouraged and grown through social media and just the structure of it. It's not like, you know, people made Twitter and then said, this, you know, we made this so we can make people argue hatefully with each other. It's just, <laughs> it would be funny always, though, if that was their, their yeah, goal, <laughs> their mission plan from 15 years ago. <laughs> I, I picture it being uh, it would thorax from space ghost. the like the, the big pregmantis villain. Yeah. We'll <laughs> <laughs> ah, create a, social networking platform where people can only say a few things which will force them to make silly statements and have a lack of understanding and compassion for each other and it will rip everyone apart it's it's you know funny how stuff works out because you don't know what the result of something is going to be until you actually see it play out and that's kind of you know social media is in a lot of that stuff this is why it's hard to discuss stuff with people who just want to hold on to their beliefs and don't even want to state what their beliefs are. This is, I mean, we've, we've, I've mentioned this before, but this is why, like, if you want to, if you're interested in something, you want to know more about it, you ask a friend about it because you want to hear what they have to say about it and why they feel that way. 
So then when your friend is like, well, just Google it. It's like, well, no, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for facts about this movie or book or whatever. Like, I want to know what you think and why. So that way I know, uh, one, maybe if I want to read it. And two, if I do read it, like, what am I looking for? What made this special to you, you know? But you get so many people out there who just want everybody to accept their opinion and prioritize that over anything else without explanation. And that doesn't produce anything well. And that's one thing that I've definitely decided uh, over the last probably couple of years that people that, that are that way, I just I don't discuss with them. Like, I, I don't interact with them because there there's no benefit and they don't care what you have to say. There's no empathy. They don't want to understand your side of things. They want to say their what they think without explanation, and then when you try to say what you think, they either um, just dismiss it, or they uh, you know do things like pull a nice bait and switch where they change the basis of the the argument in the middle of debating something, so that way like they are constantly just changing it to make whatever they say be right. Like, how do you argue with that? It just, it, it doesn't do anything that's, that's beneficial or good. And I think that's, I mean, one thing that I've definitely learned is just don't engage with those people. Mm-hmm. Block, move on, be friends with them, but don't just, it's just like I don't discuss politics with my dad, you know, it wouldn't do any good, but I would with other people who actually want to hear my viewpoint and I want to hear theirs. Mm-hmm. And I, I really enjoy having conversations with people with differing views when they can start to explain the core assumptions behind what informs their thoughts. One thing that I really like about looking at core assumptions is if I understand or start to understand my core assumptions and then something seems to show up that is contrary to those core assumptions, it is kind of interesting to me. I was thinking about this recently. So I watched Justice League and I thought, well, I don't really like this because it, it is the the story isn't very compelling and the the character stories just aren't really working for me. And like this story is just it's thin. But then I watched uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and the story is kind of a convoluted mess in a lot of ways. But I find I like that show. And so it made me think, well, wait a minute, this, this, this is weird. Why do I like this, but not this? And I realize it's because I really like the characters. They've established the characters really well, and I want to see these characters succeed at what they're doing. And so even though the what they're doing sometimes feels like a, a bit of a convoluted mess, I kind of just ride with it because I want to see... Bucky and Falcon succeed and you actually have success together on whatever this mission is that they're on while they're going in Madripoor and talking to this person and that person and going doing this other thing and trying to figure out this and that from this other person and who's doing this and that with this other person and this other thing and double crossing this and that and I'm getting confused just thinking about it that sort of thing (laughs) yeah Stories don't always have to make sense if there's other things that draw you in. Like, you know, some and some people, if that's the bit, the, the highest priority for people, that they want a story to make clear sense, then they don't want to watch complicated movies, most likely. They want mm-hmm. to watch movies where the stories are very straightforward. Uh, I, mean, I think that's why I've 
typically liked the Marvel movies more. And the ones that I've liked less are the ones that are centered around characters that I don't care very much about. Hmm. Like the Doctor Strange movie, I watched it, but I was more indifferent because I don't particularly care about Doctor Strange and there was nobody else in the movie that drew me in. Um, Captain Marvel, going into watching the movie, I didn't really know much about the character uh, or care, but I cared about the character from watching the movie. And that's still probably the, the Marvel and, you know, MCU movie that I've enjoyed the most. You know, the, the final Avengers movies, um, which I guess those are like two movies that were pretty long in their own right, but like the two movies put together make the one big final story, right? Yeah. Um, those were pretty big and pretty convoluted. And I mean, there were certainly, uh, you know, it wasn't the hardest thing to dig up some plot holes and stuff like that if you wanted to. But it didn't really matter because, one, you get some of the awesome action. Um, but two, like, there's uh, enough characters that you care about or that I care about to enjoy it. I, I think I mentioned this before, but back when the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie came out, the Ninja Turtles movie also came out. I wanted to see Ninja Turtles because I'm a big Ninja Turtle fan. I want to see the characters because I care about those characters. And I had so many people just be like, no, no, you don't want to watch that. You want to watch Guardians of the Galaxy. And I would be like, no, I want to watch this. I know what I want to watch. And it was to the point, and it was so ridiculous. And this is where people, like, they, they make their basis of assumptions and don't say this is why I think this movie is going to be better or don't, and clearly don't didn't listen to my basis of assumptions, which I did state that um, I, I didn't like the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie when I first watched it. I didn't want to watch it. I didn't enjoy it when I did watch it. And it was all because people soured me to it by just being dicks basically and i eventually i saw the second one in the theater with my cousin and i really enjoyed that experience uh and then when i watched the first one after that i really enjoyed the first one because i was going into it with a different mindset mm. uh so you know that's what i think that's what drives me nuts about the the snyder fans like for them to like what they like but that's awesome cool like it you know but for them to approach it the way and obviously not everybody does this but it's become kind of the generalization with Snyder fans that are vocal is this mentality of like, this is what's good and nothing else is. And that that's corrosive. You know, that makes me absolutely not care about watching Snyder movies because I haven't enjoyed them so far. And when you're pushing your viewpoint to that kind of extent, it makes me have to decide either I agree with you. So you're a hundred percent right. Uh, and these are the greatest movies or I disagree with you because just because of your behavior. And even if there are things I would agree with, I have to just completely go the other direction because you're making it an all or none decision, not me. Yeah. All right. So it sounds like we both are fans of, of core assumptions and, and stating them <laughs> and, and being aware of them. And it's, it's funny to me how useful it is. It's everything from big ideas like politics to tiny things like which superhero movie with people in capes and tights do you like more? <laughs> like it, it's a useful tool, I think, for all of these situations. Yeah, and it's funny because it does apply to anything. Um, you know, like I often use pro wrestling as as easy examples of good storytelling versus not so good storytelling, mm -hmm. and it's so funny to see how different people react to that. And you know, like I go into anything that I watch with just wanting to enjoy it. And I'll usually, uh, you know, anything bigger, I'll try to watch with my cousin because he just enjoys wrestling and he 
typically like that's his mindset. And sometimes he'll have some other friends over and it's just amazing how often these guys are like obsessed with wrestling. Uh, and it's amazing how often they go into it wanting to focus on the things that they don't like and complain about it the whole time rather than look for what things were there to enjoy. Mm, Yeah. That's a bit of a downer. Yeah. I mean, that's like watching a Marvel movie with a Snyder fan, right? Like (laughs) Mm -hmm. all they want to do is be like, no, this isn't, this isn't as good as Batman versus Superman because their moms aren't both named Martha. Or yeah. Or or it's probably as bad as a a Snyder fan watching one of those movies with somebody who (laughs) is more, I'm I'm not going to say something snarky. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm just going to, I've been this, this entire conversation is about being not snarky and being understanding of people. So to, and that's what what makes it so hard to, to like grow in dialogue with people who don't want themselves to grow in, in the dialogue is you get frustrated and it's really easy to be snarky because there are tons of holes in their argument. Mm-hmm. You know, if you say that the Snyder movies are the best, like anybody can point out tons of flaws in those movies. But you can do that in pretty much any movie. And even movies that are like highly regarded artistic, you know, movie masterpieces. I can guarantee you that a hole that somebody could point out in those movies, because those holes are really all based on you, what you think is good or important, right? Is, uh, that they're not entertaining. They're, they're too tedious. They're too dense. They're, you know, like even the greatest pieces of art have things that you can say, this is why I don't enjoy that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like there, there's holes in anything. Um, you know, my, th- I, I haven't watched the Snyder cut. I'm honestly probably never going to watch it. Because it's four hours. Yeah, you're not missing much by yeah, not watching it, right? If you're not, if you're not really, I, I think it's a type of thing where, unless you know, like, you, you know, if you want to watch this, and if you're like, I don't know, that that's a no. <laughs> I think it's that type yeah. of movie. Yeah, and you know, for me, with like my first thought with with, with it, and it has nothing to do with uh, my positive or negative opinions of Snyder's movies. Um, because I, more or less, I'm kind of, I'm more in the middle. Like, I just, I don't love or hate them. I just kind of don't care enough. Like, they're not entertaining to me enough for me to want to watch again. Like, I've tried to watch, uh, Batman versus Superman again because I have had friends who have really loved it. So I want to try to see what they enjoy about it and get that enjoyment. I just, I try to watch it and I kind of zone out because I, I just like, I, I, it doesn't do it for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but like the first thing I thought when I heard, you know, this is a four hour cut is if I'm going to watch a four hour movie, I'm going to watch Seven Samurai again mm-hmm. because I enjoyed Seven Samurai and there's lots to enjoy in that movie for me, for the things I look for in movies. And I would get much more out of watching that for a second time than watching uh, the Snyder cut where I didn't really care about the first cut of the movie. This one might be better, but I still don't care enough to watch it. And it just blows me away, and good for them that they have the time and capabilities to do this. But some people, you know, I saw tweeting that they watched it four or five times the first week it was out. Now, they're enjoying it like that. Awesome, man. I mean, especially in, in these days where life has been tough and we can't do a lot of the things that we used to do for enjoyment or relaxation. If you enjoy watching the Snyder cut of justice league five times in a week. Cool. You spent 20 hours on that. And if you enjoyed it, it was 20 hours well spent. And I, I can understand it too. Cause like one thing that I do to relax, um, and usually like I do this when I'm going to bed and wanting to fall asleep and it allows me to like engage my mind enough, but not so much that it keeps me awake. So that I can fall asleep pretty quickly if I'm relaxed. Um, I'll put on, 
uh, like a, an old wrestling pay-per-view. And I'll, I'll put the same one on night after night after night until I get kind of bored of hearing the same sounds. Uh, like I was just watching um, The Great American Bash 96. And I watched that one because it was Rey Mysterio's first match in WCW. And I had heard Dean Malenko, who he wrestled on that pay-per-view, talk about it on a podcast with Chris Jericho. And I wanted to see that match and, you know, see what he was telling the story about. Because uh, those are, you know, both wrestlers that I highly regarded. And so I watched that match and then just started kind of dozing off while the pay-per-view kept going on. But one of the things that was awesome about it for me was the uh, the announcers. Those, that's the most sound you hear throughout it is the, the announcers talking, right? And it was um, Tony Schiavone, who's a great announcer, and Dusty Rhodes, who is, like, one of the greatest characters in wrestling. And I think they had a third announcer, and I don't remember who that was. But, like, just hearing them talk, like, it just – it was enough to kind of keep my brain – my mind from wandering – and zone out, and I'd fall asleep. And I watched, like, I was playing that, like, every night for, like, a week to just zone out and fall asleep. To some other people, that might sound crazy, but, you know, I enjoyed it. That's not the craziest thing I've heard. I mean, it's up there. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> it, it's not the craziest thing. Yeah, that's kind of my, my spiel on Justice League. I, I think the it is a movie that very much brings up basic assumptions about what people like in movies and what they enjoy in movies and what they look for in movies. And that's really what jumped out to me is if you like X thing, you'll probably love this movie. If you're looking for Y thing in a movie, then this is going to just be hollow and thin to you and just a lot of candy coating of a movie on what is kind of then just a nothing burger. So I, yeah, I, I think that that's, that's interesting. And I, I like that you understand that basic assumption thing. And I think that that is just, it's so, so crucial and so important and, um, and, and really useful tool when talking about stuff. Yeah. I, I think it's an interesting experience that we've had with that movie just because the the dichotomy that it's made and like i think that dichotomy really strongly illustrates that you know lack of empathy and understanding other people's opinions and like uh, i think we'd all be better off if we tried to you know say what we like and hear what other people like instead of saying what we like and then trying to shut up other people yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I was, I mean, like I was to the point where I was just like, this, this annoys me, this bothers me. And like, I, I'm not necessarily happy that this exists because kind of feels like the fans bullied their way into it. But then like you said, well, if they, they wanted it and they got it, that's awesome. Because like, there's other times in things I've enjoyed where, um, the creative wasn't going in the direction that people wanted and people by making their voice heard made, you know, like induced something good to happen. So I think like you framing it like that actually kind of made me think differently about it. And ultimately, the, the money is what's going to tell the tale. Like if this does well financially, they keep making the movies. And that's what Warner Brothers or any other movie studio is going to base their opinions off of. So if the you know noisy Snyder fans were correct, then they were correct. And we'll, that, this will probably be the direction of DC movies in the future. 
And if um, if they're wrong and it doesn't flush out and it's really like a loud subset of fans, then that'll tell as time goes on, you know? Just kind of like I'm a Ninja Turtle fan and I'm not really holding my breath to get a good Ninja Turtle movie, you know? <laughs> it's like I, I, I will enjoy what I get and, you know, hope that somebody comes along that uh, has this way to make something that'll, you know, be more meaningful to me on a, on a deeper level, but... And I was like, I, I saw the Michael Bay Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. Probably won't, you know, watch them again anytime soon. Uh, but I'm not a big rewatcher, anyways. But just being able to see characters that I'm a big fan of, you know, on the movie screen was cool. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, another good example was the Hellboy movie, the the last one. A lot of people just crapped all over that movie. And I held off watching it for quite a while because that, I was excited about it. And then all the negative reviews, I was like, because I was going to go see in the theater. And I don't often go out of my way to see movies in the theater. And I was excited and all, I, all my excitement got killed. And I finally got it on Redbox and watched it. I was like, this was actually really good. And this was, um, although there are still things that are swayed off of the, you know, the comic, this movie was more rooted in the comic than the first two movies were. And... You know, a lot of people loved the first two movies. I can't really watch them because there's things about the first two movies that uh, that just throw me off, and I don't want to watch them. And it's characterization stuff. Like I, I feel like the the characters were done better in this newer movie, truer to who they are. The first movie is the first thing that bothered me. Is Hellboy was like presented like this lovesick teenager for. Um, for, uh, what's her name? The the Fire Girl. Yeah, I don't remember. Um, her name. Totally gonna blank on her. You know, I'm bad with names. Um, and that's not how it ever was in the comic. Like they, it was more of like a you know brother sister kind of love. Like he loved her, but as you know, like that type of relationship. Not like he was pining for her like he was in that movie. Well, okay. So I'll, I've got some questions about this though. I okay. haven't seen the newer one. I've seen the first ones though, and. I had never read a Hellboy comic when I saw it, so I thought it was perfectly fine. I had I didn't read comics when those movies came out, so I know I had seen them. I don't remember like I don't remember them standing out super big one way or the other when I first watched them, and I, I didn't try to rewatch them until after I had read all the Hellboy comics. So it sounds like one of the things you're looking for in a Hellboy movie is fidelity to the source material. And not 100% necessarily. I think it's more fidelity to the characterization of the characters. Okay. Because uh, like I said, the, the newer one, there's still things that they sway off of the, you know, the, the comic material. Because you're trying to condense this, you know, much bigger, um, like there, there's too much source, right? So you're trying to condense it and kind of get more in there. And I felt like they did a better job of getting more in there um, while... It, hitting the, the point that mattered more to me, which was being truer to the characters in the movie. All right. Yeah. I was just kind of thought I'd dig into that a little bit more. <laughs> One thing that I find is that I can change those core assumptions based on what the material is also. So switching gears off of terrible movies that we either like or don't like. <laughs> <laughs> um as of when this came out, the the new Tankers book, the Bad Idea book, came out yesterday. Yeah, and it is it it's stupid, and <laughs> I mean that in the best possible way. But the the premise of it is incredibly stupid. It's 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 kind of like they 
the idea of the story is let's come up with this idea that is just ridiculous and dumb and doesn't make sense, but then play it as straight as possible. That, that's that's essentially what the book is. <laughs> and so it and it's, it very quickly makes it clear that that's the type of book that it is. It's like within a page and a half, it makes itself very clear that, okay, this is a book that is about a stupid premise that we're going to uh, just play straight and, and just take it for what it is and, and go that way. And so once I realized that, I was like, oh, okay, well, then I'm going to enjoy it on those terms. And and so I, I do think that there's this interesting thing sometimes that happens in movies or any media where it kind of tells us what terms to take it, it, it on. Like, there's no sense trying to look for, like, plot holes in a book like Tankers. Because the whole thing is based on, it's like the entire thing, the premise of it is a pre- preposterous plot assumption. So, like, how can there be holes in something that is, like, so ridiculous that it's 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 a gigantic, like, tunnel <laughs> that you're trying to find holes in, right? Um yeah, that's like I'll make a nonsense joke to my wife, and then she'll want me to explain it. I'll be like, it was nonsense. There's nothing to explain. Like, you're not supposed to understand it. So by you being like, I don't understand and getting frustrated, it's like you're missing the premise here. The premise is I'm saying something stupid to say something stupid uh-huh. to, you know, just, uh, you know, lighten the mood or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know you know what that makes me think of movie-wise? An experience I had uh, years ago when Alien vs. Predator came out. I went to see that in the theater with a group of friends, and behind us was sitting this guy who the whole time before the movie was like, this better be good, my whole summer's hinging on this, da 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 you know? Oh, gosh. And then the movie's going, and the movie's not good, because, like, why would you think that was going to be a good movie? And he keeps on shooting his mouth off, and finally one of my friends gets up and turns around and says, shut the F up, we're all here trying to enjoy this movie, like, you need to shut up, and... The guy shuts up, and the guy afterwards actually went to the the like the theater manager and got free tickets for my friend to go back and see the movie uh, again because like he he you know the guy was apologetic and stuff, which is kind of cool because the guy was very big and much bigger than us, so it could have <laughs> so gone a different good. way. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it, it's a movie where if you go to see that movie, you shouldn't expect it to be you know high quality fine art you should expect it to be pretty stupid because it's it's just an action movie it's not going to be like a continuation of the seriousness of predator or the seriousness of the alien movies it's just there to be fun you know Mm -hmm. and yeah you know people sometimes decide something should be something it isn't and get upset when it's not I, i honestly so i should be getting tinkers theoretically probably by like next week uh because i have paid for it now finally got the shop i was getting it from to tell me how much to pay them so it just is a question of how long it'll take them to actually mail it but i didn't really know anything about it other than it was about killing dinosaurs yeah uh, uh, okay yeah i mean you you know like half of it then (laughs) yeah and it's like that's fine uh you know the thing that i've been excited about with bad idea uh is the creators you know, ENIAC, Matt Kent, is writing it. Uh, Doug Braithwaite does the art, is that right, or am I mixing up? Yeah, yeah ENIAC is Matt Kent and Doug Braithwaite. Yeah, and Doug Braithwaite I liked from, you know, the Valiant stuff that he did. 
Um, and then Tankers is written by Robert Venditti, who yeah. I loved from XO in Valiant. And I actually read a bunch of his DC stuff just because it was him. So I read stuff I never would have read, like Green Lantern. And uh, then Juan Jose ripping it up on the artwork is who's yeah. drawing it. Yeah. And, you know, his artwork's funny because, like, for me, sometimes I don't like it because it has this, like, really gritty, you know, gross gory kind of feel to it like no matter what he's drawing i when you always get a, love it yeah, yeah when, i know when what you, you mean, get accustomed though, yeah. to it though yeah like at first i was like this isn't what i like it could be somebody like doing the dish it's it's kind of like a, a in a way similar to the idea of that snyder movie we were talking about it could be somebody doing the dishes and it would look kind of gross and ugly somehow <laughs> exactly yeah yeah so like he took a while to grow on me but once he grew on me and i knew what i was you know should be expecting then I was able to look at it differently. I was looking at it, you know, is this good based on, you know, this criteria, you know? Um, He's yeah, I mean, a all great of- choice for this book. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a fantastic choice. I have zero, zero qualms about the choice of art. It is just great. The I, I love the art. It tells the story so, so well. And yeah. it, it captures the feel of what the book should be so yep. well all the bad idea stuff i i'm happy that i think i finally figured out a way to get it that's hassle free because it's been a hassle and that's been frustrating and i was pretty much ready just to be like you know what i'm a little over a month away from most likely starting back to school i'm not going to have time for extra things and i certainly don't have time for something that's supposed to be enjoyable to be stressful so i was i was pretty much ready to be like i'm i'm done trying to get this you know um mm. But stuff it seems like I've I've kind of figured out a way. So I was trying to get them through one shop that just uh, I I'm not gonna name any names, but like they it doesn't seem like they were really set up for this, you know, for doing mail order stuff. They don't really have a good system in place. But then on top of that, the, their their communications uh, terribly unpredictable to put it nicely. And when you're ordering stuff and like hoping to get it, and even things like I still don't know for sure until I get it whether I'm getting a first print of ENIAC even though I paid for it like eight months ago because I, I, I won't know until I get it. Right. So like uh, that, that stuff has been just kind of like stressful and frustrating because you don't get quick answers. And so I was about ready to give up based on that. And I actually talked to you about maybe seeing if I could like talk to your shop that you get them from and like basically set up a pull box that I pay by credit card and just have you pick them up for me. Mm-hmm. But then I, um, I checked with Mike Myers who uh, I think we both know and he got them because he also was like not going to mess with bad idea because of the difficulty getting them. And then he found a, a way that suited him to get them. So I sent him a message and said, how are you getting them? He told me the shop. I sent them a message. And when it took them a couple of days to reply to me, I was like, oh, well, you know, it's going to be the same thing where they're not good at communication. So I'm probably just going to give up. But then they were just like, go to our website and pre-order it. So I went to their website and checked it out, and their website is set up really well for subscriptions and pre-orders and stuff like that. Like, I've been to other comic websites where it's just like they just dump the books on the website, and it's like it's hard to find what you want. And, you know, you don't know for sure if you order stuff. Like, are they going to ship everything as it comes to where you're getting really, like, reamed for shipping? Uh, But they had it set up where you could choose your frequency, so I could choose a four-week frequency, so that way I'm, you know, kind of collecting more of a pile of stuff before it's shipped to me, so I'm not spending a ton of stuff on shipping. And on top of that, uh, there are certain books that I was planning on buying throughout the years. They came out, like the Sandman Deluxe Editions and the the Ninja Turtle IDW Collections, and 
um, you know, a few things like that. And everything you pre-order, you get a 30% discount on. So then that also is is uh, like one for the books that are more expensive, pretty much matching the best deal I've found anywhere. And two, uh, for the comics, it's offsetting the cost of the shipping. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's so like uh, Walesville, for example, is one of the next ones that's coming out. That's a $10 book. And I think on, on that order, that might be the only thing I'm getting shipped to me because of just, you know, bad idea doesn't come out yeah. at a very fast pace, you know? And um, I added my subscription to Usagi Yojimbo to it. So it's like that's one more monthly book I'll get. So, like, that might be in there, too. But anyways, even if it's just Wellsville, if I save 30% off, so I'm saving $3 because it's a $10 comic because it's like a 100-page comic, and I'm paying 5 bucks for shipping, then it, then it kind of offsets where I'm only paying 2 bucks for shipping. And I'm paying full price for the comic, which was the like the other place I was paying full price for the comic and paying for shipping. Mm-hmm. So it's like, who who cares if I'm spending a little bit? You know, for me, for comics, like my focus is very narrow on any new stuff I want to get because I just want to get the stuff I want to read. Like, I'm not trying to build a, con- a collection. I'm not trying to read everything. I'm not trying to keep up with, like all of Marvel or all of DC or all of any indie publisher. Like, I don't even get the Ninja Turtle comics, because what I'll do with those is I'll wait till I want to read a bunch, and then I'll go on Comixology and buy all the ones that are at least a month old, because they're they're only two bucks that way. And then I can read them all, because I know I'm going to buy the hardcovers down the road, you know, so I don't need the floppies and the hardcovers. Like, I don't want floppies of everything. So, um, uh, Things from Another World, I will mention, is the, the place where I will be ordering Bad Idea Comics. Um... I obviously haven't gotten an order from them yet, but my experience thus far has just been that they're set up well for this. Cool. So I'll, yeah. you know, I'll shout them out. Um, I really like things from another world. When I lived in San Francisco, they were my shop for a while. They had a store that was on my way home between um, where I worked and where I lived. So it was like a half a block walk out of my way to go to their store and, and get my books. This is when I was buying a a ton of stuff it was when 52 was coming out weekly and it's like i mentioned earlier when i was reading a lot of dc i was also reading a lot of marvel and x-men and stuff like that so um i i really enjoyed them as a store they were always a really great shop i am really pleased with (laughs) with how easy it was to set this up with them uh because it was it was frustrating um like i would have used dcbs because i've used them a little bit before but they, they are not getting the bad idea books. That's been the hard thing, and it's frustrating for a lot of people. I went to uh, my comic shop that, like, I was only subscribing to Usagi there to get, like, one book coming out each month to go and grab. Uh, I subscribed to a couple of Firefly comics for my cousin there. Uh, so what was happening was most of the time I was going, I would not even be getting anything for myself. And this comic shop is 40 minutes away. It was fine in the past because that's where I got a lot of the X-Men comics that I got to build my collection. Because they have very fair prices on on books. Because the stuff they sell in the shop, like, they they started from being an online shop for, like, high-end books. So they sell the high-end stuff online still. Um, And the shop is kind of all the stuff that's not as high-end, you know? It's like I got X-Men 94 for... 160 bucks, but then I got 10% off also, so I got it for $144 there. Mm-hmm. And it was in much better condition than anything similarly priced online. Uh, but it, w- it wasn't like a high-end condition where it would have been a super expensive book, right? So 
But I, I finished my X-Men collection. I'm not going to start chasing anything else. So there's not really any reason for me to go to that shop on a re- regular basis. So I sent them a message and, uh, and you know, found out when we would get books through with canceling because I wasn't going to leave them hanging for anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that way we would also know, like, um, when we needed to start ordering the books that – because, you know, like I'm going to order for my cousin for the couple of books that he gets too. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so it's like it was nice to make the transition. It's always hard to tell a comic shop, like, I'm sorry, but it's over. You know, I know, I um, know. You just you feel so guilty doing it, but yeah, the last time I did that, it was because I was moving to the other side of the state, so it was a bit easier. Yeah, and you feel kind of guilty, and they're always like, I still "Well, we can do it by yeah. mail." Yeah, and it's like, no, I, well, I you're don't moving want to L.A. That's no excuse. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. we'll just you know, you you pay us eight dollars for priority mail, and we'll mail. And I I don't really want to spend eight dollars to get my book shipped. You know. Yeah, so I'm excited to to be set up to get the bad idea comics uh, because I know that I'll like I'll enjoy those regardless because they're creators that I like. So even if it's like not my favorite story or you know, like you said with with uh, Tinkers, it's you know I typically the Venditti stuff I've read has been more serious. So this obviously, if I went in blind, would kind of surprise me from what I expect from Venditti. But, like, it's, uh, I'll be going into it with, uh, those, like, just assumptions of I'll figure out what this is trying to be, and I'll enjoy it for what it's trying to be, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm excited about that. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I think maybe that's a, a good place to wrap this one. It's maybe a, a couple minutes shorter than our usual, but I think we both got to get on with our day. I don't. I'm off today. Oh, uh, well, I've got a boatload of work waiting for me. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what you get for having a Monday through Friday job. You that's and your right. reliable weekends and nights off. And I know that's not always 100% true for you either. But <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> At least you have tankers already. Maybe uh, I'll get yeah, it sure next do. week. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for listening. Find more episodes wherever you found this one. And we will see you again soon. Adieu.